Good morning, Grace. Happy Mother's Day. I know you saw the theme when you came in. Love you to the moon and back. Everybody read the book? Okay. Well, if you haven't, please read the Please read the book. If you're sitting next to your wife or your mother, please lean over and give her a smooch right now. Can you do that? That's beautiful. Wonderful. Got the photo booth for you outside. Very special gift for all women. A very special gift for all women on your way out. It's got a really cool story uh, behind it. So welcome all of you here in Arlington. Those who are watching online, appreciate you being with us today. I normally don't introduce scripture readers, but I have something I want to say about Carol Trawick here this morning. I first met uh, Carol and Jim Trawick 15 years ago as this church was just beginning. We're in a multi-purpose room at Key School, and they walked in, and oh my goodness, they were picture perfect, just done up so great. It is a fact, everybody. Carol would not want me to say this, but I'll tell you. Voted by Washingtonian Magazine, top 10 best-dressed women in this entire city right here. Bonafide celebrity in our midst. It's amazing. So after that first time, Jim and Carol are there. They're dressed to the nines. It's awesome. I go over and say, oh, they're so nice. And the last thing I thought as we shook hands to say goodbye is, I'll never see you again. <laughs> they're never going to come back. This church of 25-year-olds wearing shorts and in sandals and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But they came back every week over and over and over again. I'll never forget. We had a couple. We had a young couple coming to Grace. And they told me this. is, you know, John, we're never early to anything in our life. Like we show up late to everything. There's only one thing we show up early to, and that is to Grace Community Church. And the reason why is not because we're showing up to church. The reason why is, is because we get there early because we want seats right on the aisle because we want to watch Jim and Carol Trawick walk in every week, hand in hand, dressed up. So it inspires us. Well, we were in love. I want to tell you something about, uh, I tell you this whole story, I want to tell you something special about Carol. Here's, here's what normally happens to people as they get older and to churches as they get older. You know, that vibe, that young vibe, that energy kind of goes down. Like, I said this in the first service. I said last week we did a flash dance, and everybody said it's not a flash dance, it's a flash mob. Flash dance, flash mob, two totally different things, okay? I understand. Last week we did a flash mob, and you as you get older, you stop, you stop doing that. And the thought came to me in the weeks leading up to last week and the big flash mob we did. I kept thinking to myself, do we want to do this? Should we do this? Is this okay to do? And you know the words that kept coming to me? The words of Carol Toyerick over and over and over again. She has told me for 15 years now, John, don't change the vibe. Keep reaching the younger generation. She tell me, I'm praying for you all the time. And you would keep the energy up to continue to reach the younger generation. Now, I just, just a word of insight to you from a pastor. That is not normal behavior for people who are a little bit old, older in church. They, you're like, hey, cater to us. But Carol is a visionary. And I'll tell you what, we need a room and a church filled to Carol Trawick's because she has shaped this church. So could you please, big round of applause for Carol Trawick this morning, everybody. I have to say that Grace has given back to me and my late husband, Jim. And I was just saying to John, the C in community is closeness. And Grace has shared God and closeness with my late husband and me. Thank you. We love you. Okay. Isaiah 49. Can a woman forget her nursing child? 
that she should have no compassion for the son of her womb? Even if these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have you engraved on the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. Isaiah 66. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. God bless you all. Happy Mother's Day again. Here at Grace Community Church, we celebrate all women on this special day. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce you to someone who um, means a lot to me. She's a wonderful speaker and author, and uh, she also is a dear friend. Um, Carol was, wasn't a practicing attorney, but uh, God had other plans for her life. And uh, she leads lots of women's ministries. And she has a fan club here at Grace Community Church with our women. Yes. Yes. So um, give a warm welcome for Carol Shriver. I really feel very privileged and connected to um, Grace uh, because I've had opportunities, one Christmas, two gatherings, um, to come together and really get to know particularly some of the women here at the church. Uh, And I'm sure I'm telling you something you already know, but this church is just girded by wonderful praying women who really want to know the word of God and are taking that into their families and their neighborhoods and, of, of course, this body of believers. So I feel very pleased and blessed, and thank you, um, Pastor John, for having me here. Um, I love the opportunity um, um, to celebrate women on Mothers on Mother's Day. I also love that uh, here at Grace you're celebrating all women, um, because the attributes that we're talking about that we see in Scripture about mothers, I believe, instinctively um, apply to all women, Um, um, even if they don't have the actual name uh, or given the term mothers in their lives. I've seen that in the life of uh, my daughter, actually, as well. My youngest son had the benefit of an older brother and sister, and uh, I always said that uh, he was blessed to kind of have two moms um, because she instinctively uh, mothered him um, from when he was young. But I have been blessed to have uh, um, to be a mom, and I know this is a hard day for some of you who really would love to be married and, and have children. But as I said, it's our desire to celebrate all of you today for the characteristics we're going to discuss. And I think we as women can be kind of hard on our, ourselves, particularly, as I said, as moms, I know I have. I've raised three children. They're adult children. And when I look back, I've often... Um, Uh, you know, wondered if I did enough or did too much. My husband and I like to say we never like to take um, the credit, nor do we like to take the blame. Um, But I think as moms, we struggle with taking the blame. Did we, you know, maybe, I know I look back, did I give my oldest son, who is a little hard to um, lock down sometimes, a little bit too much independence? At age nine, he wanted to go clear across the neighborhood during a snowstorm where cars couldn't get out. I was tired of listening to him and I'd let him go only to get a phone call about an hour later from
from a faraway neighbor that I didn't know that they were calling an ambulance because he cracked into a tree. Uh, he was fine, um, but again, you know, did I give too much independence? Did I perhaps uh, overindulge my children, help just a wee too much with that school project that was assigned to them? And even as my children have been adults, it's kind of been hard to know where to step back and let go. A couple years ago, my youngest son was moving into an apartment here in D.C. with a friend, and I had helped him um, pick out a sofa on Craigslist, and um, the night that they were moving, I helped them, and he and his friend loaded this sofa into a pickup truck to take it uh, into D.C., um, and we got there, and I helped them carefully. It was very difficult to get it into the apartment, only to find out that two of the cushions had fallen off the um, sofa on the highway because they didn't think to bolt down those cushions. Several days later, my son came home for a few things, and uh, we decided to take that trip along 66. It had started to rain, and here I am rescuing just up the street here those sofa cushions. Yeah, we had to park about 100 yards from... Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's just hard to know when you've just done a little too much. But I love the fact that on Mother's Day, uh, we're told and recognized for doing enough. And those aren't my words. Those are God's words in Scripture. You see, God in Scripture kind of gives us a bit of a shout out, if you will. There are times in Scripture where God, in describing himself, he compares himself to a mom. It's interesting to me. That God in scripture, God throughout the whole Bible, wants to reveal himself to us. And very often in scripture, he revealed himself through his actions, through creation, through rescuing the people, through the plagues and all of that, so that we would know that he is God and it'd be recorded for us to remember. But there's several instances, many instances in scripture, kind of God on God, where God audibly or through the prophets describes his own attributes about himself so that we would know him audibly. And several times in scripture, particularly when God is speaking of his love, he compares himself to that of a mother. Now, don't get me wrong here. I am not in any way saying that God is female. In fact, John 4.24 says God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. And very often in Scripture, in fact, 170 references in Scripture, mostly, God relates to his people as Father God. Jesus himself called him Father. Jesus himself told us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. And so, and I love that image of a father God, of course, as sovereign protector, savior God. And yet, there are times that God uses female attributes to describe himself. It's the best example that he can give to give, even if though it's a dim reflection of who he is. He wants his people to know in the best human ways how he loves his people. 
Now, this actually comes to, if we think, if we go back to Genesis 1.27, it says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We look at that passage and we're a little confused. God created man and then it says male and female in the image, you know, the, the reflection of God. Well, the translation of man in context in this verse, in the beginning of Genesis, is mankind. So what God is saying is God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, male and female. And then God proceeds in the next chapter to show how first man was created and then woman was created. Interestingly, you know, we know that God saw that everything was good. And the only time God says something isn't good is when he sees that it is, it's not like God didn't know this ahead of time, but he wants to highlight it for man, that it's not good for the man to be alone. And he creates woman. And it's only after woman is created then male and female, that the full image of God is, is reflected. Male and female. I believe both male and female bring attributes that they naturally do to the table which reflect the image of God. Now, as I said, this is not meant to say in any way, shape, or form that these are exclusive attributes of men and exclusive attributes of women. In fact, we're all called to reflect the image of God. But these are examples and things that people, um, that women and men more naturally do in their lives. As I said, when my, my daughter was young, it was very early on, we saw those attributes. I tell the story of one time my husband was coaching my son in, in football. He was, and um, my son was out there on the field and he got sick because he got hit, I guess, in the stomach. And my husband took him out for a couple of plays. And then after a couple of plays, looked at him, seemed fine, and sent him back in. My daughter ran from the stands. <laughs> what are you doing? She had certain attributes. Instinctively, even before she would become a, a mom, that reflect the image of God. So we're going to take a look at those in Scripture. And as I said, I think God created these two sex, sexes, if you will, these two genres, to fully reflect his image. Now, there's other reasons why I believe there's man and woman in Scripture. Most primarily, it's to later model the image of Christ and his church, the bride and the bridegroom. And as such, man and woman have different roles, perhaps, in marriage. And I'll let Pastor John discuss those um, with you. But... Clearly, what we see in Scripture are these unique attributes that all women bring to reflect God's image. So we're going to take a look at three of these, and the ap three instances in Scripture. And I would say that there are then three applications for each of these instances in Scripture. The first is, of course to honor moms and women today. Because I suspect as you we look at these attributes of God's love that we see in these moms and these women, that you know women around you. I know my mom who's here celebrating today, I see these so clearly in her life. 
But also, these were meant to be the best human example that we have of God's love. So regardless of where you are, regardless if perhaps you didn't have a mom who loved in this way, who departed from God's will, you have a God who loves you so perfectly, like the best, like the most perfect human mother. And thirdly, of course, if we're, as followers of Christ, to be perfect and strive to be holy, to be, reflect God's image, that these are examples that we can use to love others in our world as well. Well, the very first instance is from Isaiah chapter 49. It was your reading today. Just to give you a little context, God had ordained a people from the descendants of Abraham to be his chosen people. Now, he had chosen these people for a number of reasons. The first, of course, is that the lineage of these people, of his descendants, could be traced So that when the Savior would come and be born, we would be able to identify him from a line and a lineage. But also, these people would witness God, would see God, would record the actions and the words of God so that we would have them today and so that we would know he is God. And so, but what God also did with his people to show what a loving parent does, is he gave them a holy law, a holy perfect standard of obedience that he called them to follow. And there would be blessings for this people if they obeyed his protection. They would get the promised land and all of the blessings that that entails. But there would be consequences for this people if they departed or deviated from God's holy standards, as a loving parent does as well. It was out of God's great love that he would discipline his people also to show them their great need of a savior because they couldn't keep this law perfectly. Well, at this particular time, about 600 times, 600 years, I'm sorry, before Jesus was born, the people had fallen into great rebellion. In fact, they had fallen into such great rebellion that they had taken on the pagan practices of the world. They were committing grave social injustices. They were a depraved people. And God spoke to them through the prophet Isaiah. And he warned them to turn back to obedience. This was the job of the prophets to speak God's words. And he told them over and over again. In fact, God was so specific with his people. He actually told them that if they didn't turn to obedience, that he would withdraw his protection from them for a time, for a season, and they would be captured into exile by the Babylonians. In fact, the prophets are so specific. He said that they would be captured off by this foreign nation, and he even told them exactly how long it would be for 70 years, and he even told them who would rescue them, a man, Cyrus, who wasn't even born when the time Isaiah spoke this prophecy. So they were in, uh, in great disobedience at this time. And then Isaiah told them, but there would come a time that they would feel that God perhaps had abandoned them. And they would cry out this, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Really, people? 
God had warned them over and over again about what would happen if they were disobedient. And yet, for the years, the hundreds and thousands of years before that, God had always been faithful to his promises. So God now wants to give his people the perfect example or the best human example that he can give to them to get a glimmer of how God would never forget them. A picture of God's enduring love, if you will. And he says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she would have no compassion on the son of her womb? You see, what God is doing here is he's giving them a picture of something that they would know. They would know that a mother, the moment she gives birth, has this incredible attachment to this child. Those of you who are mothers know what I mean. I remember the exact moment each one of my children were born. I remember sitting there with my oldest child when he was brought into me and I, reckon, I saw this little birthmark on his forehead and thinking, where did that come from? But yet, I, I called it his mark of distinction, and yet this bond was, was formed immediately. There is a study that was done several years ago at the... Um, Hebrew University in Jerusalem by a woman by the name of Marcia Cates that I came across. And the study took 46 women who had just given birth and they had their child just one time to nurse and they weren't told of this experiment and then the child was taken away. They had only been with the child once. And then three children, one of which was theirs, was brought back. 70 women were able to identify their child having not been blindfolded, not having known. And they said it was from the temperature of their hands and the, the feel of their skin. And as I said, they had no way of knowing uh, or studying this ahead of time. There is a bond that's formed when a mother gives birth. And, and God is giving them this example. This is how I love you. A mother can't forget, wouldn't forget her child who she gave you know, birth to. There's an amazing example in scripture. I don't think any of you, well, I, I want to be wrong on this, but we don't really read this part of scripture. It's from 2 Samuel 21. And it's the story of this woman, Rizba. And Rizba was a concubine of the first um, king of, the, uh, of it, the Israelites, King Saul. King Saul had greatly disobeyed God and he had made a vow that he didn't keep. And as a consequence of this, seven of his sons hung on the gallows. And this mother, Rizpah, who was the mother of two of them, goes to the place of the hanging. They didn't even give a proper burial to these, these men who were disgraced because of their father. I mean, it's a terrible, gruesome story that I'm sharing with you on Mother's Day. Just a great picture that I'm sure you want to have. But this mother, if you can picture it, if you will, sat there for seven months swatting away birds at night and animals during the day. It's such an incredible picture of the enduring love of a mother. And of course, by the way, King, it's a, a great story. King um, David at the time hears of this mother and orders that the uh, men are given proper burials. Can a woman forget her nursing child? But this is meant to give us a picture of God's great love. But interestingly enough, we know 
We live in a world, of course, that there are, in fact, mothers who do deviate from God's holy standards, from God's perfect image. And God goes on to say that even if, though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. It's from Isaiah 49, 15 to 16. So what God is saying is, we have this wonderful example. I want to give you the best human example of a mother's love. But it's only a human example. My love is even greater. My love is enduring despite your rebellion, despite your disobedience. I will always love you like a mom to the moon and back. And what I love in that story as well is this incredible foreshadowing, I believe, of our Savior, whose the nails would be pierced through his hands and his feet, and very literally, we would be engraved in the palm of our hands because he would die, of course, out of his great love for us while we are still sinners. The second instance in scripture is also from Isaiah, Isaiah 66, 13. The context is, again, the same. Once again, God, through Isaiah, is speaking to a rebellious people who seem to have forgotten, you know, where God is or perhaps not seeing God in their life because of their great disobedience. And God says this through Isaiah, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. What we see here is this picture of not only God's enduring love for his people, but the comforting love. I was a little fascinated by this word comfort because we often see it distinguished from the word compassion in scripture. Compassion also is the word pity in scripture. And certainly we see both men and women showing compassion or pity in scripture. And very often in scripture, we see the father, okay, showing compassion. So I looked up the context, the the meaning of this word comfort, and it actually is the action of compassion. It is a calling to one side, I love studying old sermons, and I came across my favorite, um, Charles Spurgeon, written 150 years ago. And speaking of this very passage, he wrote this. This is a peculiarly delightful metaphor. When God speaks about his pity, his compassion, he compares himself to the Father. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities or has compassion on them that fear him. But when he speaks about comfort, he selects the mother. When I have seen the little ones sick, I have felt all the pity in the world for them. But I did not know how to set to work to comfort them. But a mother knows by instinct how to do it. There is placed in the mother's tender heart a power of sympathy. And very soon she finds the word or gives the touch that will meet her darling's case and cheer its troubled soul. I love this picture of the difference. I love the fact that I had a wonderful father who directed me and gave me wisdom and and directed me and protected me. But I went to my mother for comfort. She had the words to say. She had the touch. 
that soothed my heart, even during times of rebellion. Spurgeon goes on to say that a mother does it very fondly, and he gives the picture of a mother um, taking a child who needs some medicine, he calls it cordial, and putting that child on the mother's lap and first taking a sip of the medicine, the cordial herself, before she gives it to the child. He speaks how a mother shows comfort with much sympathy. She would bleed for that child if she could. And he speaks of the mother also comforts very diligently because it may not be enough to tell that child to do something 19 times. They may need that 20th time as well. And this becomes an incredible picture that God gives us, a picture that we can take from our our own lives and the world around us and say, God does that even more so. Come to me, all of you are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Such an incredible picture of becoming, you know, and being comforted very fondly, of course, by the Father. And he comforts also sympathetically, and he comforts diligently. My mother loved me, as I said, very diligently through those rough years, and so more so with our God who loves us diligently and wants all to come to him out of his great love. Another wonderful example, I believe, is in Scripture, and I don't even know if she's a mother, but she is a woman. Before Jesus went to the cross, he um, was with his disciples, and a woman, Mary, came in and poured the very expensive oil. And the, the, the people around them, the religious people, mocked her and said, why is she wasting this expensive you know, perfume? And Jesus says to her, as recorded in Mark, leave her alone. She's done what she could. I've always loved that passage. In a time where women, you know, couldn't be, you know, followers of, of, of rabbis and all. What did she do? What could she do? She could comfort her Savior. She was the woman there pouring out of her great love that perfume And he says it was for her burial because, by the way, she also got and believed that Jesus was about to die as well. It's an incredible picture of a woman loving, a woman comforting her Savior. The third example is from the New Testament, and it's from Jesus himself. And once again, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day. And this is the passage in Matthew 23. And before that, Jesus gives all the, these woes on, on the religious leaders. He's told them how, you know, they've, first of all, they didn't recognize him, but they led the people astray. And in very seemingly harsh words from our Savior, he says, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? And it seems almost out of character, doesn't it? But then Jesus says this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. 
The example he's giving is of this mother hen who despite the great rebellion of the people, okay, wants to gather her baby chicks to him in order to save. Now, you may have noticed from my New York accent, I grew up nowhere near a farm. So I had to do a little research on mother hens. And I found some very interesting things about mother hens. And what they do... Okay, first of all, they want I me, mean, if you've all seen the picture of the little, you know, the little hen and the little chicks all running around. Well, when danger is approaching either from prey or from fire, the mother hen apparently has some special little cluck that she does, which is meant to gather her chicks. And there were actually stories, more than one I came across in scripture, where firefighters after a fire Another lovely picture on Mother's Day of the carcass of a hen. <laughs> so sorry. The carcass of a hen. And yet, when they moved the hen, the baby chicks were there. It's an incredible picture. Again, the example that God has given you is that is the love that I want you to know that I have for you. It's a forgiving, it's a saving love. Of course, the image of the hem is for physical safety. And we moms know that we've wanted to do that as well. It's why we set curfews and stay late up night waiting for our kids to come home. It's why we want to know who their friends are and are, are careful, you know, about their protection. But Jesus is also giving a picture, a spiritual picture, if you will. He wants to save them from eternal death and separation. But it's the same picture we moms understand as well. We want to save our children. It's why we put them in Sunday schools. It's why we pray for them. And this is my only admonishment, if you will, to, to moms here today. Our greatest priority in raising our children should not be what college they get into or whether they're materially successful and all, which is all wonderful things we know, but our priority should be that they know the Lord Jesus, that they be saved. The incredible thing and the reason why this picture is so vital and, and applicable to Jesus is we know that the mother can, hen can only save those chicks if they come under her wing. The mother hen is impossible by herself to gather all those chicks as much as that's her desire. Those little chicks have to be close by. And so we pray as moms... Okay, that they stay close by to our protection and we pray for them faithfully that they'll choose the protection of the Lord and Savior. It's an incredible picture, as I said, that we have of Scripture. Jesus, once again, wants to give the best human example that he can give to his people of his love. And he refers to a mother hen. And by the way, we see this also in Deuteronomy with a mother eagle and a mother bear cub. It's the instinct of a mother who so wonderfully loves their children 
to want to save them from the fires of this world and their desire so that they stay close to the Savior. There's a couple of things, as I said, that I think are um, important for us to understand and, and reflect on. As I said, the number one thing here is what a wonderful day to honor the women at Grace and around you and in your lives who have loved with enduring and comforting and saving love. We have a wonderful picture, too, uh, in Scripture of Mary, don't we, the mother of Jesus, who, despite the fact that the disciples other than John had abandoned him at the cross, Scripture says in John nineteen twenty five. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, and Mary Magdalene. It's an incredible picture that we have. Mary, the mother of Jesus, stood by the cross watching her son die. Despite the fact that he was despised and flogged and mocked by others, She stood there along with the other women as well, and we don't know if they were moms, but what an incredible picture of the comforting and enduring love that mothers, that women have. And so too, though, this picture of moms around us is why we celebrate the moms and women's here, but it's also meant to give us, again, an incredible picture of our Father's love our God in heaven's love, our Savior's love for us. So regardless of where you are, if you're in a time of loneliness or despair or discouragement, we have this incredible picture. In 1901, Louis Albert Banks, a noted pastor and theologian of his day, wrote this on the verse of comfort in Isaiah. Are you lonely? Here is a chance to creep into the motherly arms of God and find peace. Are you sorrowful? You may come and put your head upon his breast and weep there and find infinite comfort. Are you sinful? Then there is a heart throbbing with infinite compassion and pity and love. Come pillow your head there and find forgiveness. So as Your encouragement today, I want you to honor the women who have done this around you, but to thank our Lord and Savior who calls us all to come so that he can love with this more perfect picture of love. And as I said, lastly, if we're to reflect the image of God as followers of Christ, we should use these examples in Scripture And looking at the women perhaps around us who have so wonderfully done that and love others in this way as self. And and that is a message for everyone here, women and men alike. So thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you've given us women, mothers, Lord, to reflect your image This female image, it was only after you created man and woman that you saw it was very good. Thank you so much for recognizing how we uniquely and instinctively often just model your love. But thank you, too, for the encouragement that you give us that we're to love others in this same way. 
And thank you finally that you are the perfect father, the perfect mother. We're to worship you in spirit. Thank you so much that you love us. So great is your love that you sent your son for us. I thank you so much for the blessing that you've given us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.